This is John from JNR Basketball with a special overtime edition. Today we're going to look at the first game of the Eastern Conference Finals between the Miami Heat and the Boston Celtics. I'll be doing it solo again today as Ronnie is still down with the sickness, so hopefully he has a speedy recovery and can be back here soon. Had some big injuries going into the game. Miami, Kyle Lowry was still out. He's still dealing with that hamstring injury. He has missed seven games, but the Miami Heat are 7-0 and since he's been out. So not really missing him, although I'm sure having that extra depth and not having to use your guys off the bench so much would be, would be helpful, especially if you're going to have a long series and make a championship run at the end of it. The Boston Celtics were without Al Horford. He is under COVID protocols. He could be out for a while. I don't know his vaccination status, if he's had COVID before. All of that plays in a role in determining when he's able to come back onto the court, when he's able to get back to practice. And you don't know what it's going to do to him physically, if it's going to take away some of his stamina, and he's going to kind of be slow and sluggish initially. So we'll have to keep an eye on that and see how it goes. Marcus Smart was also out. He had a foot injury. In some ways, it's kind of a blessing Marcus Smart is out. Uh, in Game 7 against the Bucks, the announcers were always so proud of themselves. Whenever Marcus Smart did something good, they would say, what a smart play by Smart, and kind of do that side chuckle where, where they're really, really proud of themselves. And I don't know if I can deal with that for another 7 to 14 games, depending on how these series go. So it was nice to see him uh, out being supportive of the team. He was wearing the absolutely most ridiculous uh, getup I've ever seen. He he looked like he was hanging out in Miami. I mean, he is in Miami. He was hanging out in Miami at like the, the docks uh, on a yacht party or something. He, he was dressed in a pink sort of uh, shorts and, and loose-fitting shirt, and he just looked extremely comfortable. I wish I could pull off something like that. Uh, I cannot, so you will never see me in something like that. But Marcus Smart... Still looking cool, even even wearing the most ridiculous clothes. So on to the game. The Celtics started off right out of the gate, 7-0 lead, and their defense was just on point. Miami was missing some shots, but really it was the Celtic defense that was making the difference here. Uh, they finally started to get some things going. Tyler Hero came in. He showed why he was the sixth man of the year. Immediately hits a three and just puts them back into the game. They were behind most of this first quarter, really struggling to keep up. Boston's defense making steals, making it really hard for them to get clean shots. And on the offensive side, they were having good, clean passes. They were getting the rebounds that they needed to get and continue to stay out in front. Tyler Hero hit a big shot with about 240 left in the first quarter to tie it up. And that was the first time it had been tied since it was 0-0. At that point, it was 21-21. At uh, the end of the quarter, Boston had a three-point lead, 28-25. B.J. Tucker left in the second quarter. Uh, at that point, they said it wasn't a serious injury. He might return, and you definitely noticed his absence on the floor. Uh, the hero of the first half, in my opinion, is Robert Williams. He's coming in off the bench. He's playing for Al Horford, who who obviously is out with COVID. 12 points, five rebounds, two blocks in the first half. He was sort of the unsung hero making big plays, giving them the, the minutes that they needed, and he just looked absolutely gassed at points in the game. When they would take him out, you could see him on the bench just kind of gasping for air. Jason Tatum had 21 points in the first half. Uh, solid defense. He had a couple of, of good steals, and you know he really looked to be under control. Uh, five assists, four rebounds, just putting up the kind of game that you expect from Jason Tatum. On Miami, 
Uh, Kyle, Tyler Hero was actually the the leading scorer for them. He had 15 points coming in off the bench. He was playing good defense, he, making smart passes, and of course, you know the reason you have him is because of his shot making ability. Still hitting the big shots. Uh, Jimmy Butler had 14 points in the first half, so nothing nothing that jumps out at you, but still. They were keeping it in there. They were vastly outplayed, they being Miami, uh, greatly outplayed by Boston, but Boston had a 62-54 lead. Miami was hanging in there. Uh, you could sense that something could happen if they started making their shots. Boston was really, really hot in the first half. If they cooled off a little bit, it could easily flip the corner. And what I've noticed about these playoffs, playoffs in general, but especially this iteration of the NBA playoffs is whoever makes the third quarter adjustments, whoever makes the adjustments at halftime and can win the third quarter really wins the game. It always seems to be that way. Teams can have a lead at halftime. They can have a big lead at halftime. And if you can make those third quarter adjustments, get yourself back into the game, uh, it goes a long way into winning that fourth quarter. The second half starts and Miami looks like a completely different team. They start making their shots. All of a sudden, their defense is at another level. Boston is getting sloppy with their passes, and Miami is 100% taking advantage of that, stepping into passing lanes, getting quick points off of those turnovers, and really starting to to close that gap. 9.02 left in the third quarter. Miami takes the lead for the first time. Uh, I'm sorry, regains the lead. They had taken the lead earlier in the first quarter, 64-63, and it it was 100% due to their defense. They were just getting better shots. They were putting up contested shots against the the Boston offense, and it really was the turning point in that game. So in the third quarter, there was a block by Bam that led to a jump ball. Uh, you may have seen the replay. I believe it was Robert Williams that went up sort of for a dunk or, or, or a hook shot, and Bam blocked it into the rim, so it ended up getting stuck there. That led to a jump ball, and you could just sense the energy in the building. And I, I noted that this, I think, was the game-changer of the play. Uh, and I believe it was at that point. It, it might have happened sooner than that, but that might have been the first point I noticed it. Miami at one point was on a 22-2 to run. They had 18-2, to and then within a matter of 12 seconds, Boston turned the ball over twice, and Miami capitalized on those. So a 22-2 to run, but Boston wasn't out of it yet. They called a timeout, they got it together, and they went on a nice little 9-2 run to kind of close that gap. Um, it was about as close as they would get after that. The game ended up being uh, won by Miami, 118-107. to The score really doesn't show what the actual game looked like. Miami was ahead by double digits for most of that fourth quarter. Boston kind of closed it late. But no doubt that Miami was going to win this game. They were making smarter shots. You could visibly see the frustration from the Boston players. Jason Tatum specifically, his body language was just frustrated. And that's the way he was playing. It, it led into his play. He was playing poor. He was sloppy. He was making lazy passes. And those were getting picked off. Even some of his open jump shots, which he's normally going to hit those all the time, they were, they were too short or they were off target uh, in a big way. So he was clearly frustrated and not in his right headspace, and it really showed on the court. Uh, Miami had a 25-point differential in quarter three. They were leading 93-76 at the end of the third quarter, and it was just Miami the rest of the way. One of the things that was kind of funny about this game, maybe funny isn't the right word, but 
you know, they do the sound, and most of the time during the game, you hear the announcers, you hear the crowd noise, but they had to keep dumping the crowd noise, so somebody close to the camera was was saying something that was causing them to have to dump that audio, and it was always so noticeable and awkward when it happened, because you, you have the crowd noise, it's in Miami, Miami's just killing it in the second half, and all of a sudden, it just completely cuts out, and it's, you know, just Mark Jackson talking, and it was very off-putting. Several times, I had to check that something happened to my TV, but no, they were they were dumping the sound, so the Miami crowd, very rambunctious, saying some things that they couldn't air on TV, and, and having to dump that audio. The other thing that always confuses me or it just makes me go, does anyone really care during NBA games is they were doing the celebrities in the crowd and they didn't do a whole lot of it, but they showed Venus Williams and they kept it there for a while. And I just wonder, does anybody, does anybody care that Venus Williams is at the game? You know, during the Suns game, they would show the celebrities, you know, OBJ was in Phoenix watching those games. Does anybody care that a, a different sports star is there watching another one or a celebrity is there? They're fans of the game. That's great. There's a bunch of other fans in the stadium. I don't think it adds any value to the broadcast. Uh, it's I certainly don't care about it. So I'm just curious if anyone out there does care about it. Shoot me a message on Twitter and, and tell me why you care that Fetus Williams is at the game. At the end of the day, you know, Jason Tatum really kind of fell off in the second half. You can say Miami's defense was stronger it was. But he had 21 points in the first half. He finishes the game with 29. That's not what you need from your your elite players. You need them to step up in those games. You know, Grant Williams had the huge game seven against Milwaukee. He only had seven points today. He, he only attempted two threes. He got into foul trouble pretty early, and uh, he was playing with five fouls for most of the fourth quarter. But Robert Williams really stepped up. He had 18 points. You know, he hasn't been playing a whole lot. And to see that out of him, that that really gives you hope for Boston that, yeah, we can still win this game even without Al Horford. But it was it was tough for those guys in the second half. Looking over some of the other scores, Peyton Pritchard, poor Peyton Pritchard, for whatever reason, they decided that he could guard Jimmy Butler. And you can imagine how that went. Spoiler alert, not well. Jimmy Butler had 41 points. Peyton Pritchard put up 18 points, but they would do this the pick and roll at the top of the key anytime Butler had the ball, and then it, they would switch. So Pritchard was on Butler, and it was just, it would be like me playing against my kids. There was no chance. He's trying his best, but he's just getting shot over, getting muscled around. It was it was a bad choice to allow that swap to happen, and they just kept going to it because why not? That That's working. Towards the end of the game, about a minute and a half left in the fourth quarter, uh, they were down by 10, and the Celtics were waving the white flag. They had their subs in there getting ready to take them out, and then Pritchard came down the court and hit a three, and then they said, well, well, now we're only down by 10, and there's a minute and a half. This is still a winnable game at that point in time. But it was interesting that I felt like they were waving the white flag a little too soon, uh, where one to three-pointer would make the difference between you doing that or not, that I feel like... That shouldn't matter if you're gonna if you're actually gonna pull your starters at that point in the game. You you it shouldn't matter if someone hits a quick three. That choice should be solid. So I was a little confused why they were pull why they were gonna do that so early. It didn't seem like the right move. Looking at the Miami Heat, we mentioned Jimmy Butler with 41 points. He led all scores. Huge game for Jimmy Butler. 12 for 19. He attempted two threes, didn't make any of them, but he had 18 three throw attempts and he went 17 for 18 at the three throw line. He does this pump fake that the Celtics 
especially in the second half, just bought hook, line, and sinker every single time he went up. And every single time he went up, he got the foul, he got the contact. And 50% of the time that shot fell, so it was an and one. But he's just been solid at the three throw line. You can't foul him in that situation. You got to let him take that shot. He he's got enough film of him doing that. You you'd think that this deep into the playoffs with such a defensive, uh, such a toughly defensive minded team like the Boston Celtics, you think they would be aware of that and not allow that to happen? Gabe Vincent had 17 points. Tyler Hero with 18 points. He went one for five from the three point line. Really, the first shot that he hit was a three-pointer, and he was cold from the rest of the day. Victor Oladipo was huge in this game. You're not going to see it on the stat line, but his defense off the bench was was fantastic. He had a block shot. He had a steal, two steals. He was just really being a nuisance. You know, Boston was trying to put something together late, and, and Victor Oladipo just shut it down. So, again, huge defensive effort by Miami in the second half. They kept it close in the first half, and I think that was the key. Keeping it close in the first half, don't get down by too much, and then make some adjustments at halftime. Come out and and put the game away, and that's exactly what they did. So they had plus 25 in the third quarter after going on a 22-2 run. It was just absolutely what they needed, and you could sense, like I said, about halfway through the third quarter that this game, this game was going Miami's way, and Boston needed to do something drastic to stop this free fall. They were unable to do it. Miami walks away with a victory, 118 to 107. So Miami and Boston will play game two Thursday, 8.30 Eastern time, 5.30 for us on the West Coast. I expected Miami to win this in six. I still think Miami's going to win this. I, I I don't know if Boston will win a game in Miami. They certainly have been a solid road team this year, so it would be shocking if they tie it up in game two. But I just think Miami is is the better team. If Smart and Horford are going to be out for a long period of time, they don't have the depth to to compete with Miami. If Kyle Lowry comes back, they're going to be even even more trouble because now Miami has extra depth. They've been winning without him. I'm sure these guys coming off the bench would like a little extra rest, and Lowry's going to give that to them. So interested to see where this goes. Interested to see how Boston responds in Game 2. They started off so strong, but... We've seen it time and time again. The inability to make adjustments costs you the game. So they came out second half hoping the same thing would work, except for Miami was hitting their shots. Miami ramped it up. They made the adjustments. And that's what you expect from head coach Eric Spolstra. He has been such a solid head coach for that team, and he continues to show why he's one of the best coaches in the NBA. So game one tomorrow of the Western Conference Finals between the Golden State Warriors and the Dallas Mavericks. I have the... Golden State Warriors winning in five. I seem to be the only person picking the Warriors. Most most of the experts pick the Dallas Mavericks to win that series. I I don't know. We'll see what happens. By all means, JNR, myself, and Ronnie, we are not basketball experts. We are fans of the game. And sometimes you root for the team that you want to win more. You know, we are both Phoenix Suns fans, and we just watch them get embarrassed by the Dallas Mavericks. So I hope Golden State can return the favor to Dallas. I recognize Dallas is a tough team. But we'll have another overtime edition tomorrow after that game. Thanks for listening. We'll see you soon.